following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw, for our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. In 1847, Henry F. Light was a minister who wrote a hymn we still sing today. Not just in church, but it's sung in football and rugby stadiums. And it is as familiar to sports crowds as it is to churches. In fact, it may even be more familiar to sports crowds than it would be to churches today. Henry was a minister who was gravely ill and facing his own death. And reflecting on the story of the road to Emmaus at the end of Luke's Gospel, where the two disciples meet Jesus on the road unknowingly, and they are going into their home at Emmaus, and Jesus makes as though he's about to carry on. And they say to him, stay with us. It is almost evening in the Revised Standard Version, abide with us. It is soon dark. He wrote this hymn, and within three weeks of writing it, he was dead. In his final sermon, he said this. Oh, brethren, he would have said sistren as well if he were as enlightened to us today. I stand here among you today as alive from the dead. If I may hope to impress upon you and induce you to prepare for that solemn hour which must come to all, by a timely acquaintance with the death of Christ. Henry Light's words will help us this morning consider Jesus as good news to the dying, to you and to I. And as we preach, as we go through this time together, Nate will sing verses of this hymn that he wrote, Abide With Me, from time to time through the sermon. Nate will, sing through, uh, will preach through song and I through unsung words. I don't really know how to begin this sermon, because in so many ways, I wish that weren't the first time you were setting eyes on me for most of us. I wish we knew each other really well and were sat together in a quiet, private place. Because what I have to say is pretty devastating and confronting. How do you deliver earth-shattering news to people like you? And forgive me for speaking with you like this in the company of so many and saying these words, but I say these words reverently, even here. You are dying. I don't know the date or the time, but I don't really know how to explain your prognosis. It is coming, though. You will die. Some days it will feel like it is a million years away. You'll feel great and you won't want to think about it. There'll be false starts as well. You'll think it's coming and then you'll get away with it. There may be an accident or an incident like we have read this week in the news and death will come rudely and unexpectedly and even violently. Or it may be peacefully, quietly, in your sleep, having made peace with your friends and your family. But death does not respect age or power 
or gender or looks or sexuality or experience or ethnicity. Death does not wait for you to be ready. Death may seem like a slow stalker, hardly visible at all through every and any circumstance in life. Now, I know that saying these things is hard to say, but I know that they're equally hard to hear. Hard to, to really take in because it is the worst news for us this morning. And you kind of like, thank you, Mr. Visiting Speaker. I didn't come to be this depressed at church this morning. Move on. Some of us want to fight it and others resign ourselves to it. We were not built for death. It feels wrong. Abide with me Fast falls the eventide The darkness deepens Lord with me abide Death came into this world through sin. Not because you had a wrong thought or ate more chocolate when you should have or said that wrong thing or passed on gossip, but because sin is at the heart of our experience of our humanity. The Bible tells us that this is not the world that God created it to be. Death was not part of God's plan for humanity, not part of His, his intention. But life in relationship with Him is what God had intended. Life for Him in all of its fullness. Lived without fear, without struggle, without sickness, injustice, or even death. But death enters the story, our story. As our first ancestors rejected God's way. As they chose their own right to rule above God's right to rule in the, the hope of gaining so much, they lost everything. God, the king of the universe, was challenged in his authority by the very creatures he had made to enjoy his love, his grace, his truth. We called the only true one a liar. We told the giver of life that we'd rather live on our own terms. We abandoned the only spring of eternal life and decided to drink filthy water of our own making, choosing to have poison rather than life itself. 
God in His mercy and His justice handed us over to that which we most wanted, the very consequences of the earnings of our choices, death itself, eternal death, away from God, in regret, without relief, and sorrow, without comfort. We're told that's just the first three chapters of the Bible. If the story had ended with God judging our first ancestors, Adam and Eve, and destroying them, that would have been justice and righteous and good enough. But God sustains them and us. As much as we deserved it, God did not abandon us to our fate. His his judgment was played out alongside His mercy. He launched a rescue plan to deal with the very cause of the curse of death. Not a treatment of our symptoms, but an undoing of our disease. God's rescue plan culminated in the gift of Jesus, the eternal Son of God, in human flesh, come among us. Let me read to you from Luke's gospel. It will also appear on the screens, but do open your Bibles, pull out your phones, however you read and access God's Word. Let me encourage you always to bring a Bible to church because, I mean, Reuben's amazing, but he could slip up some weeks and read something wrong or just for fun include something that's not actually in the Bible just to make sure you're, on, you're keeping on your toes. And I promise I haven't done that this morning, or have I? Get your Bibles out. This is Luke's Gospel. Chapter 7. Soon afterwards, I'm reading from the New International Version. Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain. And his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. And as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the bier, which is a, an open coffin, the bier that they were carrying, and carrying him on, and the bearers stood still. He said to him, Young man, I say to you, get The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout the country of Judea and the surrounding countryside. Not a brief glance I beg a passing word But as thou dwellst with thy disciples, Lord Familiar condescending patiently Abide with me Thou on my head In early youth did 
comes to a place that is not mentioned anywhere else in the whole of Scripture. This little place called Nain. Its name means pleasant, but what was coming out of town that day was far from pleasant. It was death at its worst. A young man had died, the only son of a widow. She, she'd lost everything, not only her husband, but her, now her only son. In their day, that was living death to her. Her position gone, her security, her future. Those here among us who have and are grieving, maybe as parents who have, are grieving the loss of a child, know that for a parent to bury a child is no natural thing at all. Those of us who've been to the funerals of the loss of children have stood at the graveside and have wondered why. Furious that death should impose itself in this way, in this family, at this time. And Jesus, who is the good news, the writer of the Gospel of Mark, begins his story of Jesus with those words. This is the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. Everywhere he's gone, Jesus has proclaimed the good news of the kingdom that has come. He is God's king. He is the one who has come to change everything. And now he comes to this place called Pleasant and stumbles into the scene of death, of despair, of loss, the village of the overlooked and the forgotten, the little and the least, the Lord of the living and the dead, the one who spoke the whole of creation into being, is stood on the gate of this town as this widow emerges, grieving everything. He is the judge who spoke death into human experience. And now confronted with the reality of his judgment, he is the judge who has come to save. Jesus is the one who sees that which others have resigned to, death. And he's come to beat death down. Just with a gesture and a word, he comes up to this widow and says, don't cry. Now here's a little pastoral tip for you. At a funeral, particularly to those who are most grieved, don't be like Jesus. Don't say to someone at a funeral, don't cry, because it's highly insensitive. I cracked a joke the other week that this was Jesus proving that He is fully God and fully man, but we won't go into that. 
But he goes in and says to this widow, don't cry, which seems truly, truly perplexing. But then he walks up to this coffin and speaks to a dead man. And his words aren't sentimental stories. They're not a lot, uh, kind of words of regret and of mourning. It is a command from the Lord of life. Sit up, get up. And then he does sit up, get up, and then doesn't shut up. He starts talking. I wonder what he said. You won't believe the dream I've just had. Wow, what are we doing here? How did I get here? What is going on? Why are you looking so sad, woman? Stop screaming, everyone. Maybe that's what he said. Stop screaming, everyone, because I know that if someone at a funeral sits up, I'm probably going to be one of the first shouting. He gives, Jesus gives life to the dead and restores hope to the hopeless. He resuscitates this man by his single word and hints at a resurrection that is to come. See, it's implied in the text that this man who sits up will one day lie down again in death. But the man who speaks to him and calls him from death, Jesus himself, will also one day lie down in death. And then he will rise and never face death again. The people of Nain had a very interesting response to Jesus defeating death in front of them. Did you see it as we read it? Have a look again at your, your text. He is a great prophet like Elijah of old. God was speaking new things, doing new things in their sight. And it is like the Old Testament has come to walk among them. The Word made flesh. Widows receiving back their sons. Hope was being found in hopelessness. Death was no barrier to God doing His work. Human frailty, human tears, no obstacle to God doing what was needed to save and to rescue, to change history. Jesus is God here among us, and He's come to help. He's come to change and transform. The idea of God drawing close isn't always comforting. There is real fear when the perfect God draws near to imperfect people. Again and again in the Old Testament we have seen it. Death, after all, is God's judgment against people like you and me. No matter how good we look on a Sunday morning or not as I look out across the crowd. Now, you're all looking fantastic, obviously. God drawing close to you in all of His awesome beauty and majesty, His holiness and His wonder, knowing the depth of who you are, isn't always comforting, is it? Because He knows your thoughts. He sees through darkness as though it is midday sun. There is nothing hidden from his sight. Nowhere that you can go to escape the knowledge that he has of you, of this world. John the writer says Jesus needed no one to explain the human heart to him. Jesus. 
because he knew people. He knows people. He knows you and I. He knows our lot. And Jesus steps in, and he will take death and turn it inside out. Because Jesus beats death by going into death. Jesus beats death by dying himself. In doing so, in turning death inside out, he will go to the very gates of death itself. The innocent one who need not die. The God who spoke light into being and breathed life into lifeless clay is the one who will be surrender himself, the one who will surrender himself to the penalty of death. And he who breathed life will one day breathe his last. And that's why he can now breathe out the words, young man, get up. And this once lifeless body becomes whole and lifeful again. The Bible tells us that Jesus doesn't just die because of our sin, but he dies in our place. He really is the innocent one who goes to the death of the guilty. He stands in our place. He takes up our cross. He receives the just punishment for our sins. He satisfies God's judgment and justice on our behalf. He demonstrates God's mercy to us, to each of us. Jesus who steps in and touches this coffin and calls this young man from death to life will be the one who will go to death, but not in a coffin, but on a cross. Not as some tragedy, but as an act of victory. Not as a victim, but as the victorious king. I need thy presence Every passing hour What but thy grace can Foil the tempter's power Like myself, thy guidance they can be through cloud and sunshine. Oh, abide with me. As Jesus dies on the cross, he cries out, It is finished. It is finished. Jesus surrenders his life to death. Do you know that Jesus is the only one who ever chose to die? Death is inevitable for every other person. But he himself said that no one would take his life from him, but that he would lay it down as a ransom for many. Death comes to all but Jesus as that which we must face. Jesus chose to face death on our behalf. Jesus dies not as a result of his wounds, but as an act of his will. He chooses to lay down his life so that those who, might, who have no life might be given eternal life. You and I, who without Jesus have no hope and only have the certainty of death, might in Christ know great hope. 
Jesus beats death, which means that if we come to him by faith, if we believe in him, if we believe him, then death loses its fear and is emptied of its uncertainty. It will be certain for us unless the Lord Jesus comes again at the resurrection of the dead before we ourselves taste death. But we will face it as a certainty. And beyond it, there's so much uncertainty for people in our day. I hope people say, I hope about the future. I hope it's got coffee or wine or meat or I hope my pets are there or I hope, I hope, I hope beyond the grave. But beyond the grave, if we know Jesus, there is the great certainty of him, of hearing his voice. Death is not the end for those who are in Christ Jesus. It is a journey that we must take, but it should be no longer feared if we are in him. For on the other side of that journey is Jesus. Paul the Apostle wrote these words in Philippians 1.21, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. I fear no foe with thee at hand to bless. Ills have no weight and tears no bitterness. Where is death sting? Where grave thy victory? triumph still if thou abide with me abide with me in the last six months i've been i've conducted two funerals the first the funeral of a wee boy called stephen who died at 22 weeks in the womb the most recent of a 75 year old woman who has who lost her battle with life just in this last week and had been struggling with Alzheimer's for years. Two people at different ends of life's spectrum. And there is so much more to say. There is so much more to say, and yet there is one thing that I really must say. Without Jesus... Without firm hope in Christ Jesus, death really is full of fear and only judgment. I say it seriously and I say it as gravely as I can as many of someone that many of you have never met before. But without Christ, we go to death without hope. No matter how good you are, no matter how many times you've turned up here or other churches, no matter what long list of good things that you have done, you've got before you. If you do not know Jesus, if you are not secure in Him, death holds only fear and judgment for you. But, but if you do know Jesus, there is only hope and life ahead. 
you will die. But if you are in Jesus, you will live life without end. That last time that you close your eyes in this life, although full of uncertainties about the mechanisms of what's about to happen, although full of questions about what if, if you know Jesus, your life on your death comes full of certainty that Jesus will be the very next thing that you see. As you open your eyes, you'll be greeted by His glory. And in the resurrection of the dead, you will have new body, all pain and death and disease and tears and mourning and grief will be no more. Because He is the one who will wake you and say, Get up. Get up. And there will be a renewal of all things. Thou thy cross before my closing eyes shine through the gloom and point me to the skies. Heaven's morning breaks and earth's pain shadows flee in life in death, O Lord, abide with me, abide with me. We know these words. The, 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 the Mari song, Fakarium Mai, is a translation of that last verse of abide with me. Although we sing it to the tune of how great thou art, it is this hope of hold thou the cross before my closing eyes because now in Jesus we have good news for each and every one of us because each and every one of us are dying in Jesus we have certainty and hope because we trust in him one day we will sleep in death and for those, we will either hear Christ's voice telling us to arise and awaken, never to sleep in death again, or be awakened to his judgment, the Bible tells us. So look now to the cross of Christ. Turn your life to him in every detail, in every day, in your desk and in your home, in every circumstance of life, in parenting and in loneliness in triumph and in loss. Look to the cross of Christ and ask him to abide with you. Abide with me Fast falls the eventide You can sing along if you want. The darkness deepens Lord with me when other helpers fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless soul abide with me. Let's sing that last verse. Hold thou thy cross before my closing eyes 
shine through the gloom and point me to the skies. Heaven's morning breaks and earth's vain shadows flee. In life, in death, O Lord, abide with me. Abide with me. In life, in death, O Lord, abide with me. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources, or to donate to our teaching resource ministry, or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.